ಶ್ರೀಕೃಷ್ಣಚೈತನ್ಯಾಂದಸ್ತೋದಿತೋದಯಪುಷ್ಪಂತೋಚಿತ್ರೋಷಂದೋತ್ಮನುದೋ ವಿಶ್ವಭಾನುಸುತೇದೇವಿ ಪ್ರಣಮಿ ಹರಿ ಪ್ರಿಯ ಶ್ರೀ ಗುರಿ ವೈಷ್ಣಗುರು ಪರಂಪರಾ ಕಿ ಜಯಿ ಭಕ್ತಿವಿಧಾಂತ ಸ್ವಾಮಿ ಪ್ರಭುಪಾದ ಕಿ ಜಯಿರಕ್ತೀ ಗೋಸ್ವಾಮಿ ಮಹಾರಾಜ ಕಿ ಜಯ ಶ್ರೀ ಶ್ರೀಕೃಷ್ಣಾರ್ಜುನ ಕಿ ಜಯ ಶ್ರೀಮದ್ಭಗವತ್ ಉಪನಿಷದ್ ಕಿ ಜಯಿಸ್ಕಸಿಂಗ್ರ್ಡ್ಚಾಪ್ಟರ್ discussed at some length the beginning section. I'd like to give a little bit of an overview of this chapter today and uh, place some emphasis on text number 35. Shreyan svadharmo vguna paradharmat sanushtitat svadharmen dhanam shreyas shreya paradharmo bhayavaha Shri Krishna says, one should act in accordance with one's own nature, even though in doing so, one may appear faulty. This course of action is better than engaging in any other duties, however well you might attend to them. It is better to die in accordance with, engaged in accordance with one's own nature, for others' duties invite peril. So this chapter began with a question of Arjuna, the seed for which was planted earlier on in chapter 2, where Krishna, after speaking about the position of the soul in relation to the body, the importance of knowledge over action, He then began to speak about action again, but this time, rather than dharma in a religious sense, dharma in a, in a yogic sense. And so this confused Arjuna a little bit. Do you want me to act, or do you want me to be in knowledge, the two of which don't go together? Very practically speaking, the more knowledge we have, then the less we do. If you have a For example, in the crude sense, if you have a higher education, then you have to use your physical senses less, and you can potentially earn more. You can labor less, but earn more. And, of course, in a, in a Vedantic sense, then the more knowledge we have, knowledge of self we have, then the less inclined we are to uh, interact in relation to things that don't endure. 
whether the self is a unit of endurance. And we want an enduring life, enduring sense of happiness. And the wise know it will not be derived from interacting with things that themselves do not endure. So, in a sense, as I say, action and knowledge, they're contradictory, although all actions at the same time are informed by by knowledge. The more knowledge we have, the less we will act in relation to the material world. And in the highest sense, the more knowledge we have, as knowledge reaches the high point, of course, it becomes synonymous with bhakti. And then there's much, much action, but not action that is uh, binding. So, Arjun was a little confused about this. Ostensibly, this is the this is the cause of his confusion. But we looked a little deeper, and we could see that, in a very friendly spirit, Arjun was asking the question that he did at the beginning of chapter three. He addressed Krishna by the names Janardana and Keshava. Janardana means, in one sense, one who gives pain to his own people. So Arjuna is, in a very friendly way, he's related to Krishna in Sakya Bhava. Ripuri Sambandi Sakha means he's a city pal of Krishna, not a pastoral village friend whose intimacy is, is greater, but a city friend. So he says, uh, what kind of pal are you? Give pain to your own people like this. But then he addresses him as Keshava, and by that he means that you are the Lord of Brahma and Shiva, so I have to do what you say anyway. But what is it that you, what are you talking about? What do you want? Why are you confusing me in this way? I'm your friend. I'm your devotee. I'm interested in bhakti, not jnana or karma. And here you're talking about these two things, and uh, I have no interest in either jnana karma, jnana kulena krishna, nushilana bhakti ruttama. Shri has described bhakti uh, in this way, in terms of its marginal characteristics. It's not, in other words, what it's not. It's not fettered or covered by jnana or karma. Now, here's a whole chapter about karma. The next chapter is all about jnana, actually. So, we have to discuss this and understand this properly. Arjuna's not interested in jnana, per se, or in karma, per se. Neither should the devotees be interested in these things. Nonetheless, they they have some place in relation to bhakti. Action and knowledge are like two streams from a glacier. That if those two streams touch the Ganga, for example, which is a major stream, then they have a chance of entering into the Bay of Bengal and having a life. So if Gan and karma are properly adjusted in relation to the central flow of life, which is bhakti, devotion. We are a unit of dedicating tendency by nature. Jivair surupoi krishna nityadasa. The dharma of the jiva is seva. So, when 
as I say, jnana and karma are harmonized with bhakti, then they have they have value, they have meaning. And how they be harmonized means that the bhakti will not be covered by them. They will not take precedence over bhakti. So I will explain that at some length. But but in the beginning of the chapter here, we heard how covertly the opening statement of Arjun is about bhakti and the rapport between Krishna and Arjun. It, it's obvious from the opening texts is um, is an expression of bhava. Nonetheless, Krishna is also teaching um, the world through Bhagavad and Bhagavad Krishna's states. And uh, concerned about the world order, social uh, social order and and, and and structure of society, he's interested in. He's taking a position uh, of a neutral position as far as possible to give an overreaching, broad. Uh, teaching about religious life. After all, Krishna is natural position, not his. Not if he comes down to a neutral position. His natural position is lost in the brudge, in the, those type of friendly and loving uh, relationships that Vrindavan uh, Leela is all about. So he's not in Vrindavan here. He's on. The, Battlefield of Kurukshetra, and he's a prince, and he has to speak about Dharma. He can't get away from the Prema Dharma, but it's actually uh, behind all of his, his movements. But he, ha- he but he, he's, he's come to a position to speak to all humanity, and so he touches on all types of aspects. Of Dharma, the whole religious world of possibilities, and some emphasis is important to one sector, and another type of emphasis to another sector of the society. So it's a broad book, Bhagavad Gita, and uh, covers everything. But it has a conclusion, of course. And Prabhupada was fond of asking anyone whom he met in his travels uh, from the Western world who said that they had were familiar with Bhagavad Gita and had read it. His favorite question was, do you know the conclusion? And oftentimes they would reply, I didn't know there was a conclusion. It's just like nice statements. You know, you can open it anywhere and read a verse and it seems to make sense on that day. And It's a mystical kind of magical book like that. But no, it does have a conclusion. And in the verse that we're discussing today, on its face is the... Um, antithesis of the conclusion of the Bhagavad Gita. But again, as I mentioned, covertly the opening of this chapter is uh, about bhakti. So we find bhakti in this chapter as well in, in between the lines. But as I say, overtly, on its face, this, birth, this verse is very much the antithesis of the conclusion of the Bhagavad Gita. So you can see 
that there's, as they say, a far uh, a wide range here that Krishna is speaking about. He's giving instructions here that are relevant, pertinent to a certain section of society. What are the antithesis of the conclusion? If you can digest the conclusion, then you can throw this verse, at least for what it means on its face, out the door. This is an important point. It means that, uh, like Sri Dhammarshi used to like to say, progress means acceptance and elimination. Some of the verses can be eliminated. We speak of the absolute nature of Shastra and what a great authority is and so forth. But the fact of the matter is is that certain verses can be eliminated. Certain texts can be eliminated altogether relative to one's eligibility, one's adhikar. So, at the same time, I should say that, that it's also possible that we don't have to throw the text away, but that we can read it in a different way, relative to our eligibility and sensibility, then it will apply on, on that level. But in, the, in terms of the context in which it appears in the Gita and what it really supposedly says, of course, what it really says is what it says to, to us. And what it really says is what it says to advanced souls. Krishna's Kaviraj Goswami, for example, has quoted some verses from this chapter in Chaitanya Charitamrita. He quotes, Yadyarachrati Shrestas, Tattarevetarojana, Sayatpramanam Kurutelokastaranavartita. You may know this is a famous shloka. What it means in this chapter, just in terms of the, in context, is something quite different from what it means when Krishna's Kabiraj Goswami is, chant, is exciting it in Chaitanya Charitamrita. This book, this chapter ostensibly is about karma yoga. That means do your karma. means do your dharma. It means that human society is governed according to the social system of the Bhagavad Gita, the worldview of the Bhagavad Gita. Human society is governed by certain socio-religious norms relative to the psychophysiological makeup of uh, different individuals, which, of course, in the Varna Ashram system has been divided into, into four classes, and there are many subsets and whatnot. So there are duties, in other words, for each type of person. There are duties that must be performed, always, and some that need to be performed on, on occasion, and there are scriptures all, all about these things. Dharma Shastra, for example. There's 20 types of Dharma Shastra. Your Samhita and things like this are found in there. 20 types of Dharma Shastra. Some of them are more theistic. Some of them are less theistic. The more theistic ones, just slightly admit as to the efficacy of bhakti and how it supersedes all the instructions given in those texts. This is the better end, the more theistic end of Dharma Shastra. For example, when Gopakumar Kumar went to, in Brihat Bhagavatamrita, Sri Goswami Prabhu, went to Satyalok, Brahmalok, he encountered a debate there, a debate between the deities presiding over all the different scriptures. And the debate was, because he was there, he's in Saptilog. This is the upper rim of the material 
sphere. And it's worth saying that when we talk about these planes of experience, for example, in Beta Bhagavatamrita, although some of them have some correspondence with certain physical planets that we can perceive with our eyes or through telescopes, they're really talking about something much more than that, that those are like physical landmarks for Jupiter, Brihaspati's planet, the moon, a heavenly planet, and so forth. Uh, don't be uh, don't be disappointed if they come back from Mars when they haven't found any life in, in, in a few months. When Bhagavatam is speaking about all these different planets and life and so forth, they're not per se speaking about those the physical planets. Those are like markers for us in physical uh, consciousness in the realm of the, where the senses predominate, that we can get some type of uh, handle on, on on what they're talking about. And one of the primary evidences for what I'm what I'm saying is that is that when they talk the scriptures about the means of going to these places, right, it's very very different than the means by which uh, modern science with all this wonder is planning the moon, whatever, exploration, or the Mars exploration, and did with the moonwalks and, and, and so on. Very, very different idea. If you undergo to the moon in terms of its being a heavenly dimension, then you have to, have to regulate your senses to a small degree. That means to say, in the course of joint sense objects, you have to simultaneously acknowledge that there is an aspect in nature greater than yourself. In order for your senses to enjoy those objects, those senses are dependent upon. If, for example, you want to enjoy with your eyes beautiful forms, acknowledge in order to do that with your eyes, you're dependent upon the sun, a prominent feature of nature. Without the sun, those eyes are not going to see beautiful forms. So there's there's something that's your powerful influence of nature in the macro sense of things. The correspondence or relationship with my microscopic, uh, microcosmic, microcosmic uh, self, uh, which is basically made up of senses. This body is made up of Senses. This is the physical plane, primarily. Of course, mind and intellect are here, but it's primarily the physical plane. So when you enjoy sense objects and acknowledge the prominent features of nature, senses dependent upon them, enjoy those objects, then there's some curtailing of sense enjoyment, or there's some sense that comes from this, I should say, that my senses are not independent. They're not, so some knowledge comes from that. They're not mine to do with whatever I want. In order for them to function, in order for me to do anything, I've got to acknowledge others, other aspects of nature, which are, in a sense, uh, venerable. I mean, we'd know how venerable the sun was if it started not to come up one day. Everything would close down. But it's just going on, and we we, we, we aren't very uh, worshipable in our state of mind towards such things. So at any rate, some basic uh, 
acknowledgement like this is a, is a form of regulating the senses. And when you do that, what happens? Then you can go to the world dimension. It means heavenly, where our mind is heaven, the land of dreams. You can do all kinds of things there. You can't hear. You can find, here as probably like to say, you can find gold, and you can find a mountain, but you can't find a golden mountain. The bear in the mind, you can find gold mountain after gold mountain. Emerald mountain, ruby mountain, diamond mountain. We hear about those things in the scripture. It's all in the mental realm. I mean to say that there's a macrocosmic sense of mind, and you can enter there, dwell there, and all po- so many possibilities exist there. It's a it's a fantasy though because you have to come down from there also, as Gita explains. But to go there, you have to move back to some extent from the sensual realm in the way I'm which I'm speaking. You cannot just enjoy unrestrictedly and with disregard for those aspects of nature that your senses are dependent upon and so forth. That won't, uh, that kind of life will not propel you in that direction. So we may go there by technology and land on that physical kind of representation that's there as a landmark to point out to physical people this concept, but to enter into what the scriptures are talking about. There's a whole different method. Similarly, to go to beyond the mental planets, so sorts, if you will, to the intellectual planets, then you have to curtail not only the senses, but what? The mind. You have to curtail the mind. This is sadhana. This is the end of all sadhana in a general sense, to close down the mind. In one sense, for us, of course, it's the beginning of real sadhana, but in an immediate sense, at any rate, all forms of sadhana, spiritual discipline, come to this, closing the mind. Stop thinking if you want to know. So hard, because we think only because I think do I know. <laughs> only because something going on here can I understand, can I know. But real knowing is, that is not, uh, it's not possible by thinking. Theoretically, we can gather theoretical knowledge from Scripture by using the intellect. We can come to the shore of the uh, the world of the of the soul. Only but we have to go beyond the intellect to to, to 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 reach there. But by using intellect properly, with spiritual guidance and controlling the mind and the senses, this is sadhana. You can go to the intellectual realm. You can go to Maharlok, Tapalok, Janalok. Satyalok, everybody's doing sadhana there. They're in samadhi, doing sadhana, mostly meditating on the Lord in, internally. Anyway, Gopu Kumar is there. He had gone all the way to Satyalok, and a soul attained liberation. And everyone was there was a celebration on the, on these planets. He thought, "What's that?" He said, oh, someone in the material world attained liberation. So it's, it's possible to go from earth. Of course, I'm just, these books and my speech were just explaining in a way that we can get a grip on it. From earth, it's possible to go there. They had gone in the gradual way, kram by kram, step by step, Tapar, mahalog, taplog, in this way they go, and when the, when the universe is devastated in the lower portion, they go to the high, they go to Brahma, when Brahma dies, they go with him, attained by Kuntha, 
like this. So this is what their aim is. It's possible to go direct from Earth there. Some souls do. So anyway, some soul went. This also tells us something. What does it tell us? What does Bhagavad Gita say? What is no. It tells us that liberation is very rare. Bhagavatam puts it like this Sudulava Prashantatma Kotisvapi. What does the Gita say? Seventh chapter? Manushanam Sahasreshu Kaschit Jodati Siddhaye Tatam Apisidhanam Kaschin Mam This is no easy thing. We all come for this in the in the general sense. We come for bhakti, but liberation is inside the bhakti. Very, very rare to achieve. Very rare thing. Very extraordinary. And those in the, who are in the planets of sadhana, they know what a rare thing this is. So that soul, shh, <laughs> got mukti, and everyone knows a big commotion. It was a celebration. Kumar, who knew nothing about anything, just his mantra that he got from his guru, he just chanted his mantra as he was told. What's that all about? Oh, somebody just got mukti. What's mukti? So they told him. So each time, of course, that he's told about something beyond the plane that he's in, he, he finds some interest in that. So he says, well, I'd like to, like to try that. Mukti. So how do you get there? And so some of these personified scriptures began to glorify Gan. By knowledge, by knowledge you can get there. But there was an argument from another sector of the scriptures that said, by bhakti you can get there. In fact, bhakti is a kind of knowledge, and it's the only way to get there. So there was a huge debate going on between all these different shastras, dharma shastras, the higher end of the Dharma Shastras that knew, that understood the efficacy of bhakti and how, as I said, bhakti supersedes all of its injunctions in the realm of karma. What humans should do, what humans shouldn't do, what you have to do every day, what you have to do occasionally. In this, in this chapter, uh, in, in Krishna has spoken about eating. He's called Arjuna to action. He deprecated inaction because he's speaking about people, two people who are eligible only for karma yoga and not contemplative life. Oh, and he criticizes false renunciation. Mityacharasuchate, you be hypocrite only. You falsely, falsely become a contemplative, but you still have desires. So there's, there, are, there are rules for the sector of society that has desires. You have to move according to those rules. And if in the context of doing that, you offer the results to, to God, then it's a special kind of karma yoga. But you have to observe all of those, so many, under the jurisdiction of karma, you have to... Re- follow those dharma shastras and so forth, all those duties. So in the context of speaking about that, Krishna speaks, yagna shishtashino shanta. He says, about eating food. If food has to be offered. If it's not offered, then it, 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 you get a negative result only. 
and, and, and what that's about, Krishna's speaking about karma here. This is my point, about karma, the, the realm of karma. If we want to go from the realm of action, the sensual realm, to the spiritual realm, we can do karma yoga. The yoga is the sacrifice part of the fruits, and the karma is all these very burdensome injunctions that human society is supposed to follow. This is the system of the Bhagavad Gita. Very burdensome injunctions. For example, with regard to eating, it's said that there are five things in everybody's house that are the, that are the, take you to hell. I think it's the, 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 the mortar, the pestle, the, the, the grinding, the, the, the broom, and the, the water pot, oven, water pot. Yeah. Pestle, mortar, oven, water, pot, broom. These five things take you to hell. And they're in every household. What does it mean? It means that in the course of doing your ordinary household duties, like cooking, you have to grind and put in the oven and sweeping and all this, that you kill insects or microbes. So there's panch yagya. There's five types of yagyas that you're supposed to perform in relation to these five types of instruments. So every day, every day, so that you don't, so that you can counteract the inevitable fault in the ordinary duties of just eating. In other words, there's fault in every duty, as Krishna says here in this verse that we're discussing. Now, this is rather burdensome, and this is just one example. This is what Krishna is talking about in, in this chapter. How to come out from that by by sacrificing the fruits. You'll come to knowledge. You'll be relieved from the plane of, of karma. So this is gradually going in, in, in this direction. This is, again, as I say, this, this, he's talking about something very burdensome here. So when these, when these uh, Shastras are, are debating what's being in, in, in Satyaloka, Kopu Kumar is listening, he's, saying, he's hearing that, that some people are, some Shastras are saying that just by bhakti, just by devotion, you can become liberated. Some Shastras emphasizing Gyan Marg are opposing. The Dharma Shastras, the, 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 the ones that are not theistic in nature, they're opposing. No, you have to do all this karma. You do all this right, perfectly, then you, get to, you gradually can come to knowledge. And, and some the more theistic Dharma Shastras, they're saying, they're 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 they kind of they're just kind of quiet. They don't have the nerve to come out and say that just by bhakti we are superseded. They, they know it, but they don't have the nerve to say it. So hearing this debate, Gopal Tapanupanishad walks out. Bhagavatam walks out. It's beneath them, practically, to say anything. Such is the glory of bhakti. It's beneath them to even enter into the discussion. What is the efficacy of bhakti? It's it's there. They just think, amazing how bewildering these scriptures can be. Some agamas from the Pancharatric side, of course, that give the procedures of devotion, extol the virtues of the procedures of devotion. They spoke up, and they were able to prevail. And then Bhagavatam weighed in. 
Gopal Tapani Shruti and the Ishopanisha and these types of Shrutis, they, they weighed in and gave their final uh, opinion, uh, approval. Yes, these arguments have said, of course, this is the, that by bhakti you can get liberation. Indeed, bhakti, liberation is a byproduct of bhakti. What is the conclusion of Bhagavad Gita? In one sense, it is sarvadharmam pradyajama mekam shalanam braja. Now, one thing you should understand. The conclusion of the Bhagavad Gita is not the conclusion of the Bhakti Marg. The conclusion of the Bhagavad Gita is the beginning of the Bhakti Marg. Don't think, oh, well, for those who are surrendered, the very high devotees, they can give up all these other things. But we have to attend to all these things because we are lower devotees. No. Krishna's verse, Sarvadhaman Pratyajamami Kamasaradam Praja. This is the beginning of, real, real beginning of bhakti. To be a Sharanagata is required for, for, in order to really make any progress on the bhakti path. Of course, you can begin without being with being by being a theoretical sharanagata. I accept it theoretically and I have faith. Yes, just by doing bhakti, everything will be in order. I don't have to attend to any other duties or responsibilities just by doing bhakti. Then under the direction of our Gurudev, we can do some bhakti, hearing and chanting and, and so forth. But to really make progress, what does Prahlad say? Shravanam, Kirtanam, Vishnu, Smaranam, Parasevanam, Archanam, Bandanam, Dasyam, Sakyam, Atmani, Vedanam, Itipum, Sarpito, Vishnu, Bhaktis, Chenavalakshana, Kriyati, Bhagavati, Adha, Tanmani, Muttamam, Adha. It means completely. Shravanam, Kirtanam, hearing, chanting, Smaranam, etc. All these things are bhakti. This is the best thing I've learned. This is Vishnu Bhakti. Iti. Pumsarpito Vishnu. Bhakti's Chennavalakshana. This is the nine fold symptoms of, 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 of Shuddha Bhakti, Prahlad says. And they should be done completely. It means we should give ourselves completely to these activities. At least when we do them. <laughs> that, that with full conviction, just by doing this. My life will be perfect. Sit down and do your japa like this, just by doing this, without moving anywhere else, without any other thought. My life can become perfect. No time better spent on anything in terms of accomplishing what I want in life than this. Somehow or other then, pay attention. Give yourself, your mind, attention, your heart, Give your heart prayerfully. You know, when you pray, then it's hard to think about something else. This chanting should be done prayerfully. It means it should be done from the heart. If it's done from the heart, then you can't think about something else at the same time. It's a heart exercise. It's not just a lip exercise or ear exercise. A way to pass the time. But you have to give yourself to that. We should have, uh, if properly to say, chanting, be happy. 
chant and be unhappy. If we cannot chant and cry, we should cry that we're not crying by chanting. The chanting is not bringing tears of joy to my eyes. I should feel some pain because of that, knowing that such thing is possible. So to be to to Sharanagati is like is like the the pran of bhakti, the breath. What is the what is the, the breath is more important than the nose. So the breath should be there. This should we should in this sense, the Sharanagati is not the not the end of bhakti, not the conclusion. It's the conclusion of the Gita. Actually, conclusion of the Gita is manmanabha mamad bhakto. Become my devotee. Fix your mind on me. Worship me. Give do pranam to me. I promise you. You are very dear to me. Do this, I'll be conquered. Come to me. Then he mercifully says, Sarvadhanam Puritaja, Mami come, Sarvadhan And here's the stage on which to do all these things. Stage in which the drama of bhakti is performed, Sharanagati. It means Sarvo Dharman Purityaja. Rejecting all this this Dharma. That means all this stuff that this chapter is, is connected with on the lower side. We want to extract the higher side of this chapter, which is the sacrifice. Giving up the fruits, the principle of sacrifice. As I many times said, love is arises out of sacrifice. So you do your duty, you give up the fruits, or obviously some some portion of them with it with the spirit of being detached from the fruits, offering what fruits you can with feeling the pinch uh, to, to to God the Vaishnavas, like the Vaishnavas Seva, and so forth. This is the side we are interested in. The other side, all these karmic duties that are implied in here, like the yagyas for the food and all this business, and, and so many of them that are all part of the karma marg, all enjoined in, in, in Dharma Shastras, all these things. Well, this is just a heavy burden. So kind is bhakti, so merciful little faith in bhakti we relieved from that this is unbelievable it's a debate on satyaloka you understand and chaitanya mahaprabhu was coming in from golok golok and trumpeting this kind of a thing and people with ordinary religious sensibilities are are in, 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 insulted by this how much did the the, the, the Brahmin uh, sector in, in in Nadia was insulted by by the um, advocacy of, of uh, Namacharya Thakur Haridas when he spoke of the efficacy of bhakti being such that <coughs> that liberation is a byproduct of of, of Namabhas, of only a reflection of the real name. Oh, there was a, some uproar. From this, these are the secrets, actually, the secrets of the scripture. This is the hidden inside path. It's like a hidden door. Look, wow, you can go this way. A secret door. You can avoid the whole thing and go right, right to the center. 
It's a secret passage. And, and Mahaprabhu coming in, in, in a, as a byproduct of his celebrating what that passage is about, what it leads to, is just talking about it everywhere. And in, in, in Mahaprabhu's time, it was revolutionary. This was a new religion, it was thought. Some newfangled religion. Hindus were upset with this loud chanting of Krishna Nam going on in Navadvip. What would, what would they think? They would think, oh, just chanting to get attention or fill their bellies, chanting loudly. What will become of the Krishna Nam if they chanted like this loudly? There will be a problem. It's not, this is not a widely understood thing. We taking for granted, we've heard these things, we take it for granted. It's a very secret thing, very special thing. As I say, in Satyaloka, the debate is going on amongst the scriptures themselves. So bhakti is very, very generous. Krishna, the conclusion of the Gita, Krishna is saying, anyway, I've talked about all these things, what I'm really talking about, if you haven't picked it up here and there, just be my devotee. And, and here's the way to do it. Be a Sharanagata. And if that's not enough, he comes again as Chaitanya Mahaprabhu. Right after following, speaking the Gita, he comes and exemplifies that. This is how Kaviraj Goswami uses the verse I've talked about. I said, he quotes Yadadachratishrestas. That's also in this book, in this chapter. Yadadachratishrestas means whatever a great man does, others will follow. Whatever exemplary acts he sets, then the whole world pursues. Why is Krishna saying that in, the, in this chapter? He's saying, you should follow the Dharma. All these yagyas and all this uh, rules and, and regulations is important. Pe- general people should, should be following this. Otherwise, this also, otherwise there'll be a social dis- 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 disarray and, 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 and problems in the social order. Again, Krishna is speaking about the social order. Of the, of the material world, a very, very general thing compared to what he's really all about. He's not not about that. But only if we understand that in context, in relation to what he's really all about, about can we understand its value. So he's saying in this chapter, oh, you, you should set a good example and, and follow the, all this, uh, do all the Nityan Naimintak activities that are supposed to be performed always and occasional duties and and so on. But he's also adding, of course, as I say, the sacrifice of fruits. This is this is the this is the side that's taking us towards bhakti, toward towards love. But in Chaitanya Charitamrita, what does Krishna's Kaviraj Goswami say? Like I said, we don't have to dispense with the verse necessarily, but we can cite it in our own way. He said, Oh Mahaprabhu has, has taught by his example this is how Kaviraj Goswami used it. Mahaprabhu was Acharya, in the sense that his whole Leela is sometimes called Acharya Leela. The Leela in which God appears to teach how to do what he told us to do in Bhagavad Gita. He said surrender. And some people go, how do you do that? That's what Chaitanya Mahaprabhu's whole life is about. He, he teaches that. From the Kirtan in, Nadi, in, in Srivasangam, all the way out to Puri, to South India, to Vrindavan, 
back to Puri, he ends up in Zantilila. He shows us how to enter into the kirtan in Nadia that not anybody could get into, except his eternal associates. That's the goal. We want to enter the house of Sri Thakur and do kirtan with Chaitanya Mahaprabhu. This is the goal of Gaudiya Vaishnavism, in a, in, a, in a general sense. And to teach how to do that, different people try to hide in there and force their way in and, 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 and claim that they had right to enter because of their particular lifestyle. Mahaprabhu rejected them all. But some pious people sat on the bank of the Ganga and wished they could enter, but felt themselves unqualified. For those humble souls, Mahaprabhu came out Horiharai Nama Krishna Yadavai Nama and took his son Kirtan to the streets. He took Prem Kirtan, Rasa Kirtan, and applied it for Chetak Darpanam Arjanam, for cleansing the heart. From the world of Rasananda he took something, that's it where it belongs, and brought it here in a form for, for doing all the things that following the Karma Marg and karma yoga, and coming to jnana, doing jnana, and so forth, bring us to, in a gradual way. He took that secret door, as I said, passageway, it comes from Golok, it's exported from there to here, and gave that as a method, by which not only all such thing, all such gradual purification would go on, easily, but an ideal much higher than one can achieve otherwise will be attained. Very extraordinary. Kaviraj Goswami says, this is his Acharya Lili, yes. He taught by his example. He taught that if you want to teach bhakti, you have to be a bhakta. Mahabrabhu's Lila was Acharya Lila, but he did not write any commentary. He wrote eight stanzas. And if we study carefully, we'll see that those eight standards, there's no evidence that they were ever written at one time or even in a number of sittings in a way that they're connected to one another. There is no document, Shikshastakam, eight poems, eight stanzas to a poem by Chaitanya Mahaprabhu. These verses appear in different places in the Goswami Granthas, in the scriptures, the writings of the Goswamis. One here, one there, one here, one there. It was Krishna's Kaviraj Goswami who very much systematized the whole of what the Goswamis had given in the context of writing the, about the life of Chaitanya Mahaprabhu in Chaitanya Charitamrita. And in the Anti Lila there, he places them all one after another and gives a gradation of meaning to them and, and organizes them. He edited that. Hmm? So my point being, Mahaprabhu it was, didn't write anything per se like other acharyas. Prabhupada used to say the first business of the acharya is to make a literary contribution. And rightly so. But that's not what the Lord did when he did his acharya lila. He's the exception. And, and the reason is, in one sense, that he wanted to emphasize to us that by doing bhakti, you will get bhakti. And knowing and learning is only as valuable as it, as it fuels and informs appropriately our practice and, and, and to caution us 
not to be involved in an intellectual sleight of hand, so to speak, by which, by gathering, gaining theoretical knowledge, we allow ourselves to think that we've gone somewhere. No, it could be just we could be more deluded. Gyan Shunya Bhakti. This is the emphasis of Mahaprabhu. Devotion unencumbered by Gyan. So do Bhakti, Shravanam, do Shravanam, Kirtanam, Vishnu Samaranam, all these things. You may note that Prabhupada had a program like this. It was very effective. He kept his disciples very much engaged in, in service. It was, it was almost a little anti-intellectual. So the more intellectual devotees sometimes felt a little bit intimidated by it, whose intellect would not give up, would not let go of them, had to be satisfied. Some, for some of them, it took them outside then of his, of his mission. And all they did was practically gratify their, their intellect by that and think then that they knew more about bhakti and those simple fools who were out selling books and things like that and didn't know about so many things, all the deeper secrets and so forth. Now, it's not bad to know those things, and we should, as time goes on, but we should understand, as I say, appropriately, that, that, that theoretical knowledge is only as valuable as it see, serves to inform our practice and fuel our practice. Otherwise, just a great burden. So, he used the verse in this way. Here, in this context of the Gita, it's about setting an example, following the the, the Dharma Shastra and so forth. And, of course, sacrificing the, 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 the fruits of, of, of one's action at the same time. But in Chaitanya Charitamrita, it's about being a devotee. Apani Achari Bhakti Sikha